You're listening to Free Indeed Radio, the podcast from Free Indeed Ministries. Good evening, everybody. Thank you for joining us on this uh, toasty Wednesday evening. Um, this is a thank, it's a great turnout. We're we're really happy with how this is this is looking so far. Um, this is the first of four sessions that we're going to be having together with um, John and Brandon, and they'll introduce themselves to you in a little bit. I just wanted to give you a little bit of a backstory, just a real quick snippet of how this all came about. Um, it really was kind of an act of God. Um, I first met John probably a year ago um, at the Ben Ministerial Association, and um, he introduced his, his new ministry back then, and it was just something that um, kind of stuck in the back of my mind. Um, and I saw him several times after that at, at subsequent meetings, and then all of a sudden this whole thing with the Supreme Court goes through, and we just happened to have a conversation at one of those meetings and um, got together with you and Brandon. Trevor and I met with, with them, and uh, God just made this a reality, this, made this something that we, we he, re, he showed us that this was something that would be valuable for our, our church and our family. So um, um, the, the elders have met with them, and we've, we've talked, and we love their message. So um, we're, we're excited about what's going to happen tonight. Um, there are going to be, um, they're going to come up and they're going to share their story and present some material. Um, there's going to be a phone number on the screen um, in a second when I go and put it up there. It's going to, um, um, you, you are free to text in questions anytime during the evening. And uh, later on, um, we, will, we will sort through those questions and choose some of them to answer. Um, if they don't get to answer some of them tonight, they will answer them later online or or in, a, or in a subsequent session. We are recording these, and we will put them up on our website. So if you have friends or family, um, or in sometime this, this month you miss a session, it's fine, you can catch up on it later. Okay? And um, I was looking at the, the name Free Indeed, and I know, I'm, I'm sure you know where it comes from, but it comes from John 8. I just want to read this to you and before I open us in, us in prayer. Jesus says, Very truly I tell you, everyone who sins is a slave to sin. Now a slave has no permanent place in the family, but a son belongs to it forever. So if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. Let's pray. Uh, Heavenly Father, we praise you for this evening. We praise you, Lord, for the life you've given to us. And Lord, you, set, you told us it's not going to be an easy life. Um, we will encounter hardship. We will encounter struggle. We will come across things that challenge us and stretch us and, and, um, and force us, Lord, to depend on you to lean on you every day. And Lord, I pray that this evening, no matter what is said, no matter what we learn, and no matter what we hear, Lord, the end result would be that we lean on you more, that we are awed by your grace, by your goodness, by your love, and that we are convinced more and more of our own inadequacy and of your supremacy. So Lord, I pray that you'll be with John and Brandon as they present tonight. Give them your words. That I pray that your spirit would speak through them. And I pray for the rest of us, Lord, that we would hear and that we would be open to whatever it is your spirit is challenging us to do. We love you, Lord, and we praise you. And God's people said, amen. So John Ford and Brandon, are you both coming up here? Yes. So come on up, guys. Let's hear it for John and Brandon. So make sure everybody, can you hear me? I get quiet when I get nervous, and guys make me a little nervous, but... Because we're going to talk about life. And you know what the best part about this is? That, that God has given this message. God assigned the words 
the, the heart, everything has been structured around what the Holy Spirit has said. He approves that we go out and do. So instead of, uh, you know, coming to you and saying, this is what you have to accept and believe, God said, no, go out and tell them what I accept and what I believe and free them to go out and touch people who don't understand that. So that's what we're going to get into tonight. So I want to start off by introducing you to Brandon. I think if anybody was here last Sunday, which I would gather several of you, I was here, and I thank you for the warm welcome. What a, what a great time to, in my life to meet more of God's family. But Brandon didn't get to meet you yet, so this is Brandon, and uh, he is the co-founder and has worked with me uh, from the beginning tirelessly for free indeed. So he's going to start the program, and then I'll step in, and hopefully I won't talk for too long. Be sure and text your questions, though, because Pastor Trevor is going to be uh, raising his hand and reading them. So make them good. Make them difficult. Don't be afraid of anything. You cannot insult us. You cannot offend us, because God has cleared all that off the table with his cross and with his grace. So... We're here to be honest and open and help you, so do that with us. Brandon? Hello, hello. Oh, there, there we go. It's plugged in. Oh, there we go. Must have, a, have an intermittent Sleep. cable. Don't touch, don't, don't touch it. He tells me, do not touch, I do not touch. <laughs> do not touch, do not handle. Um, so, my name is Brandon Visser, and um, I've been with Free Indeed since the beginning. When John and I talked about it in a, a Sherry's booth, I had herbal tea, and he was having a slice of pie, and it was wonderful. Um, but a little bit of my story and why this is so impactful for me is because I grew up in the church, essentially. Um, for the first uh, about 12, 13 years of my life, I was in and out of church because my mom and I weren't really about that life. I didn't really start going to church until I was about 12 or 13 and moved in with my dad. And um, I was, yeah, I just, I just grew up, I met Christ because of a guy named Kent Hovind in, in his creation science ministry, convinced me that Christ was real, who he said he was, and, um, and it was amazing. And I spent the first part of my high school, well, my whole high school career, just on fire for Christ. And um, I graduated, and Satan was like, hey, distraction, here's a really pretty girl who doesn't know Christ very well, or, you know, and you don't really know Christ very well either, so, <laughs> and, um, but through all that, what kind of came up was that there was a whole lot that I didn't know, that I wasn't equipped for, that I didn't really understand, namely, um, grace. To me, growing up in the church, grace was a word. It was a five-letter word that I really didn't understand what it meant. People sang it in songs and, you know, oh, the Lord's grace is enough. You know, that Chris Tomlin song, your grace is enough. You know, I was like, oh, this makes me feel really good. And I 
don't know what I'm singing. Um, but I started, I started realizing that when, at one point, I was so lost in my own condemnation and the guilt that I was waking up in, the panic attacks of never, ever measuring up, never understanding that God was never ashamed of me, that he was never disappointed of me, never angry with me. I didn't know that kind of stuff, and I didn't learn it until much later in my Christian walk, which I'm very, very thankful for. And um, that's why this is so impactful, is because all that John did was preach this message to me. And I'm straight <laughs> and grew up in the church. I, I knew all the answers. I'd rehearsed all the lines. I knew all the textbook answers. I knew God. I was, I was saved at a very young age. I really believe that because he used me in other people's lives before I knew his grace, before I was walking in power. And so that's what's so important about my message. I remember, I remember the, the litmus test um, to, to see the actual change. And that was on my older brother's birthday about three years ago. Four years ago, I had went up with him in the mountains, and he brought all of his biologist friends because he's a bi- he was a biology major, and they were telling me about um, how lots of creatures in in the natural world practice homosexuality, and you know they they do it for fun or it's just just their thing, and it's it goes with the natural order, yada yada yada, and and I was just standing there like, uh, gay people go to hell. That's I mean, that's what the Bible says. Because, you know, and in my heart, I really believed I was doing and saying the right things in love, in strength, in power of the Holy Spirit. That's what I truly believed. And then two and a half years later, well, I guess two years later, because he called me around the same time. He calls me, and I'm just talking about this ministry and talking about how how God just loves these people and he's so excited on them and just, he wants to, to tell them all that he loves them. But, you know, it, it's, we, we get so caught up in our own things and, and he's just like, you, you're whistling a really different tune there. And I didn't even know. I thought I was saying the exact same thing. I thought I always had it just, I didn't even consciously realize that I had learned and grown so far just by hearing that Jesus loves me unconditionally and learning about these people who so desperately need Christ and aren't getting him. And that just blew my mind. So I'm with you. I have been changed by this message. The Lord dropped it on me in a drizzle, which became a waterfall. And I'm just standing with my mouth open, like, ah, because that's how much he wants to give us. And um, you'll see the importance of why I didn't run away from all this when we talk about John's story, which is right now. (laughs) My mic works. Well, again, thank you for coming out and, and uh, trusting God for tonight. So, Free Indeed is not all about gay people, just so you know. 
and we're going to make that distinction. We want you to know we're here in a... We, we cover the sexual world, if you will. So same-sex attraction, homosexuality, gender identity, and pornography. So if you're straight and you're stuck in pornography, we've done a lot of work with actually more straight men in the church than anything else that come to us on an individual level to get out of the captivity of pornography. So uh, we do have a very varied uh, base, uh, though we are here to help you learn how to understand people of the same-sex attracted mind because it's being forced upon you. And it wouldn't it be nice to know Satan's game plan so that when he attacks, you know where he's going to be and you can stop him in the name of Jesus before he ever gets to your heart, which is where he wants to hurt you. So my name is John Ford. I'm not from here, and that's okay with me. Um, but I... I am from the gay world. I was, to tell you my story, you know, I, and I want to say this real quick, I, you know, everybody's story seems to have all the disaster and then God. Well, it's true, and I'm there. But my story with God's power makes a testimony. And that's the same thing with all of us in the room. So my testimony is this. At about age seven, I had my first encounter of, with, with sex with an adult man. And from there, I grew up thinking that that was the norm, and that that's what I, it was okay to do. So that encounter led to more, um, and as I, like I say, as I grew up, it just seemed normal, and then I started to seek that same sort of attra uh, attraction with other boys my age. Um, I didn't necessarily have an affinity for, for men, I just knew that if I was around them, they were going to use me, and that was okay. So, you know, you come to about 12 years old and things start getting a little bit different because the hormones start to kick in. And all of a sudden I realize, well, now I need to find something in these other people. I was looking for something in the men who were having sex with me. What was I trying to become? I didn't really know. I just knew that, again, I had to give myself, and I did. And... I can honestly say that for a long time, it didn't bother me. Again, it, it was just something that I was supposed to do, so I did it. In the meantime, there uh, was the rejection started. We weren't raised um, as Christians. We were raised in another uh, church. And um, so I didn't know the love of Christ. You know, it was just, as long as you do good enough, then maybe Christ will love you when you're dead. So that was uplifting. And, you know, how it's growing out there today. So as I came into my teenage years, um, again, the sex just increased. Pornography was there, alcohol, those kind of things. I wasn't an alcoholic or any of that. I didn't go crazy in that way. It was just something that you did, right? Just like the sex. At 16, my parents separated. We happened to be living in Eugene, um, I was raised mostly in San Diego. I'm a Navy brat. So if you ask me where I'm from, it's all over the place. I've lived from Hawaii to New York, and I went to five high schools for four years of high school. So you can imagine I don't go to those reunions because I have no idea who the people are. <laughs> so I don't. So at 16, we, they separated. We moved to New York, my mom and the four of us kids, and that's where I found the Lord. And... <laughs> Sorry. He's done so much that I, I get 
a little caught up in his grace. And it just brings the emotion. But when he said that he found me, boy, he did. And I just fell in love with Jesus. And that's all I wanted. And, you know, seven days a week we were in church. So thank you for coming on a Wednesday. I appreciate it. Because it's a big deal nowadays. Now, this was back when I was 16. So as you can guess that, five years ago or so. <laughs> Somewhere in there, 35 years ago. But that's, God, it's longer than that, 40 this is getting bad. So I got saved. <laughs> and then all of a sudden, the, the same-sex attraction thing kind of went away, but my mind always had it in there. Now it was ingrained. It was part of what I did. It was something that I started to look for in other people and thinking now that was the norm. Um, we moved back from New York uh, to Eugene or Springfield, wherever it was, and I began to, to go to high school out here. And then it really got difficult. And so I was always a, a well-liked kid. I was a small kid, but well-liked. And, you know, again, continued to pursue sexuality with, with the young men. I also liked girls at the time. I, it just seemed, again, normal. But then when I hit about 18 and things started to really get tight with, between God and my friends and family, that's when it really got ugly, and that's where I lost hope. Because, you see, there was nobody standing there to help me with what we're here to help you with, to understand what I was going through. The people who found out about my attraction were quick to tell me that I was the abomination in the room and that I was going to hell. So again, yay. Another rejection of God, right? So now we've got God rejecting me. We've got friends and family in total rejection. I'm trying to get through it. Um, couldn't seem to do it. So I went into the Navy, and I thought, well, I'll be okay there. And instead, what happened was um, one night at about 4 a.m., there was a break in through the door, and it was the police, and they arrested me and charged me with homosexual, being a homosexual. It's an actual charge. And it was an actual adjudication. So during the court-martial, there were several of us. They kind of went out and did a thing. So you can imagine how that felt. Now the humiliation of this and having to go home. The people who I was trying to tell I was a Christian, that didn't make any sense to them. Nothing made any sense to me. And so my world was just absolutely falling apart. I will tell you, though, that during the court-martials, everybody else got a dishonorable discharge because at the time it was very illegal. But when it came to me, the Holy Spirit I know was there because the commander said, you know, son, you're a nice boy, and this is not something that should hurt you or destroy your life. So we're going to give you an honorable discharge and send you home. And I was just so thankful. I'm like, oh, thank you, Lord, you know. And I got my little slip of paper, and I thought, oh, this is wonderful. I have an honorable discharge. And then right there in the bottom corner, it says the reason, which was homosexual. Well, I did not apply for a VA loan, I assure you, uh, if you know what that means. So that as that fell apart, I came home and had to face parents who were not happy and were very uh, condemning, friends that didn't like it, friends that walked away. So I thought, okay, I'll get married. So I dated three young ladies at the same time and picked the one that seemed to want me most. 
And so uh, we got married, had two children, and I thought, well, finally this will make it all go away. But it didn't. And again, there was no one there to help me with it. So then as my marriage started to fall apart, and I couldn't really tell anybody, but they all kind of figured it out, and I've learned since then, which has been now another really long time, uh, that my, my kid's mom, my wife, uh, knew all along. And she said, you know, John, I went into this knowing what could happen, and I've always loved you. But I didn't know it then, because I couldn't receive any kind of love from anybody, much less her and God. So as we split apart, um, I had family members that came in and threatened to take my children from her because I was gay and I was going to go to hell and I'd lost my salvation and all of these things. And it was just a continuous barrage. Um, There was a funeral in a church held for me by family. I don't know, Trevor, if you would proceed over a posthumous funeral to put your family member to death and to away, but this church did. I wasn't there. So later, as things got worse, my friends started walking away, and the church was just the greatest rejection ever. I mean, it just it was too much. I couldn't take it. Friends would invite me over to tell me how much God hated me and then tell me to leave and never come back. And I have never gone back. So, I left Eugene, and I went back to San Diego, where I felt was home, and I was fully operational in the gay lifestyle. I became very militant. As I explained to people, you know the people that you watch on TV and you scream, oh, I hate those people. I was that guy, because I fought for everything that would make you unhappy. I wanted you to hurt, the church to hurt, and everybody to hurt as much as I did. So I became very militant in that and very lonely and very angry. But I did meet somebody along the way. I mean, of course, in that lifestyle, meeting somebody is is not the same as what you think because there's a lot of darkness, which I was taken down those trails. Satan led me down some very dark places. It is a sexually-based lifestyle, so just don't let anybody tell you it's all about love wins. It's about sex and then trying to make everything else fit. And we'll talk about that more, too. But I did meet somebody. His name was Gary. And he, uh, he was actually a very nice man. And he treated me very well. We treated each other very well. He taught me how to have, be a divorced dad. And, and so we used to fly the kids down and my kids and take care of them. And I was always close to their mom. So they never grew up not knowing me. Um, and then he died. The hardest part of that was it was the only thing that finally felt like I had a reason to live. I mean, I had children. I had everything. I was saved, but I didn't know it. I didn't know where anything was in my life except what I could hold on to. So when he went to the hospice that day, and they gave me the morphine plunger, and they said, press the button every 10 minutes and record the time. And within about six hours or less, he was dead. And that ended another part of my life and anger and frustration, you can imagine. 
Then my kids came to me, and uh, I raised them from age about age 10 on my own uh, through graduation. And I had other people in my life, other lovers. It was just, just a disaster, but I just didn't know where to go. After the kids grew up and, and went on their own, I decided that I was free and independent, so I did my own thing, and I eventually ended up in Colorado with another family member who said, hey, come on out and be in Colorado. You, you, you got time and you're alone, so come on. So I did. And then within a couple of months, they said, well, you know what? We've decided that your lifestyle and everything just isn't good, so you need to leave. That was 10 o'clock on a Sunday night, and I had to be out of their house at 8 o'clock the next morning. Okay, so here we go again. Everybody's a liar. Everybody's a cheat. And I can only hate people. But then God started really, really, truly working on me. I started just going, you know what, Lord? There's only one last choice. I can kill myself. Or you can love me. And he decided to love me. So when you hear those people screaming, love wins... When they find Jesus' love, that's where love wins, not in humanity. When grace gets hold of you, love wins. So through my walk coming out of the gay lifestyle, which is where you guys want me to end up, right? You have to get them out of the lifestyle. That's not the answer. Because you see, while I was coming through all of this, and it took years to do, I was still doing what I used to do. But somehow I had, it was different because the Lord was in my heart now. I mean, I really knew that. I was saved when I was 16, but now I was getting what he meant by that love and that grace and the cross. So as I stumbled my way through this departure and entrance into real life, I tried drugs for the first time. Hard drugs. Like, seriously, are you kidding me, drugs? It's like, well, I'm not a drug guy. But Satan knew just what to throw at me right in the moment to keep me to trust that God was lying to me still. So, as I tell people, and I don't recommend this, don't use this in your, any rehab or whatever, but <laughs> I used to pray over them because I really believed that I was the righteousness of God in Christ. I really believed that Jesus loved me more than anybody else could ever tell me that they hated me. So I prayed over it, and I said, Lord, protect me, keep me safe, and don't let anything happen, and then I would go for it. And what do you know? It just came to that point. It was a very short amount of time, and God said, you're, you're all done now. I said, okay, I'm all done. And it was the easiest thing to just walk away from. But I couldn't walk away from me and what I knew I was or thought I was. So I kept going. I never let him get away from me again. You see, the day that I believed that Jesus loved me was the day that I believed that Jesus loved me. I wanted him to love me at 16 because I was a scared and lonely kid. But I really wanted him to love me because I was lovable and that I could receive it. And that's what happened when I became an adult. So, through the journey... Um, my father and mother and I, uh, we didn't speak for probably 25 years, uh, which was fine with me. 
But then my dad got very ill. He's had like five strokes and he's, he's out. But he's alive. He just isn't much there. So he needs 24-hour, 24-7 care. And my mom was taking care of him and getting very tired because they're, they're older. They're in their late 70s. So the Lord told me, and this is in the midst of my mess, the Lord said, you need to go home and take care of your mom. She's tired. So I, and I was living in Colorado, so I gave away everything that I owned because nothing mattered. It was all about Jesus. I sold my new car, made just enough money. I said, man, Lord, I'm going to need $3,000 to get there. And he said, okay, sell your car. So I did, and the guy who said, you know what? I want to help you because I know what you're going to do, and it's good. So here's $3,500 cash over the value of the new car. It's like, oh, my goodness, this is great. So I headed here in a one-way rental car, four suitcases, and a little teeny tiny dog. I showed up on my mom's doorstep and said, hi, I'm here. And I've been living in, well, should I tell him? <laughs> no, I live in her garage. So I'm the perfect personal ad. 55-year-old, single man, loves Jesus, no job, volunteers for everything, lives in his mother's converted garage, drives his dad's Jeep, here for you. So, no one's answered that ad <laughs> yet, except Jesus. <laughs> He's like, yes, I know. And you stay right there until I'm ready for you to move. So I have. So God has repaired and restored. God's grace has been real. Grace and truth came through one man, Jesus Christ. He is life and light. He is the hope of all things. So my story starts when I was seven, and I'm 55 now. And as you can see, the time span has been very long for me to go through everything that God would have me do. But now I can tell you I am truly free. I live in a freedom that most people, a lot of people don't even understand. Because you see, even though the attraction didn't go away from my head, the desire for it has. Because you see, in grace, when you understand grace properly, it doesn't make you feel like you have permission to go do something and so you go do it and God's got it covered. It makes you stand up and go, you know what? I can see it. And I know what it's going to feel like. But I don't want it. Because I know what it's going to feel like. When grace gets hold of you and you just let that impact you, you get rid of law and rules and regulations on people and on yourself and you start throwing away all of these statements like, you know, God loves the sinner but hates the sin, and you stop hurting people, you stop hurting yourself, it's amazing what happens. So I live in this freedom now, and, and, and again, that's where, when I moved here, we met Brandon very quickly, and we've been going ever since, and it's been a lot of fun. So anyway, now it's time for the show. <laughs> so are there... Are there any questions that have come up that we should answer right now? I want to make sure we haven't missed anything. Okay, so anyway, um, so here I am in the freedom of Christ, absolutely loving life, can't do enough. You know, I just want to keep on going. And, and it's so exciting to be here 
And I'm so privileged to serve you. So, this is a service that God's given us to make sure you're okay because you're hurting, because the world is out of control, but God is not. So what does God do? He sends the right people at the right time to give you the right tool for the next time you need it. And because you're here tonight, it's going to come up soon. Say, we're here for you when you need it. So that's part of what you have there. So let's get into it. Let's talk about um, what we do. We have broken our, our, our sort of our simple, our singular classes into four classes, as you've seen. We hope you keep coming back for the other ones because they all kind of come together. But Brandon's going to start and talk about uh, what we talk about, what same-sex attraction is, homosexuality, all that kind of thing. Okay? So thank you, guys. Thank you, John. Is it working? Okay, yes. good. <laughs> all right. So... Let's start out by defining some terms. Um, Same-sex attraction is exactly what it sounds like. It's somebody of a sexual persuasion, me being a male, if I were to have a romantic or sexual attraction to somebody of the same sex, that's what we're talking about is the attraction itself. Um, Now, the word homosexuality actually denotes it being a verb, so whenever you see the word homosexuality in, um, in Scripture, it's actually talking about the verb, the gay sex itself. I mean, and I'm, I'm going to be very frank with you. I'm going to use adult terms. I'm not going to mince words because um, this is an adult conversation and people's lives and hearts are at stake. So we're, I just want us to be very, very clear with each other, and don't be afraid to ask hard, big questions. Because like John said, you can't offend me. You can't offend John, because we know Jesus, and we know you. So this is, this is a safe place. Um, so um, the difference between same-sex attraction and homosexuality is, one is the pro- propensity to perform a verb. It's a a condition or a force that drives a decision to do a verb. So that's that. Um, There are other terms that we'll define later, such as, you know, what exactly does transgender mean? What does transsexual mean? What does transvestite mean? And there's, there's a whole bunch to go on there, but those are the only terms I want to define right now. Um, so let's talk about the attraction itself. So, am I, being a straight male, sinning by being attracted to a female? The answer is no. (laughs) There's no trick questions, I promise. (laughs) Um... No, I'm not sinning by sitting here being attracted to women. Like, that's just, it's a part of the way I think. It's a part of the way I'm wired right now. That's, that's, that's just how it is. So, does it prove the same 
for somebody who is same-sex attracted? Is somebody sinning by being attracted to the same sex? There it gets a little more tricky because that kind of, it conks up against our, our thinking. And I would say no. I would say there is not a place in Scripture that condemns the attraction itself. No more than it condemns a straight attraction or an attraction to trees or fence posts. The responsibility to have our sexuality, no matter what it is, is to submit it to Christ. A sexuality unsubmitted to Christ is a dangerous thing, no matter what it is. Could we agree on that? Okay. So, that's, that's just something that I like to kind of throw out there. Those are the kinds of things and questions that we'll be talking about and kind of exploring. And it's, it's going to stretch a little bit of thinking because we're not used to spreading out of that. But this is the message that the Lord has given us, and we're excited about it, and we're excited for you. So, uh, how does same-sex attraction happen? That's one of our number one questions. And the answer is, there's no real answer. Um, If you think of straight attraction as being Portland, and same-sex attraction as being Virginia, there is any different number of ways that you could get to, to Virginia from Portland. How many thousands of roads, back roads, plane tickets, you know, train tickets, whatever you could buy, there's a plethora of ways that you get here. And um, not necessarily one is the same for the other. Um, A lot of people like to assume that there's been sexual abuse or certain other things, you know, whatever. Like, if you meet a gay person, the first question you ask them is definitely not, so when was your sexual abuse? You know, like, we don't want to pretend to understand why somebody experiences same-sex attractions because I don't understand why I'm straight. I mean, God just, just, that's just how I came out. That's okay. However, we're also going to talk about nature versus nurture here. That's, that's a big kind of a hot-button issue. Are people born gay? Or did God make them gay? Um, you know, what, what is all of that? And... Um, God does not make people pre-programmed with a trait that is condemned and, or, or a, a propensity to perform something that is condemned. Okay, God did not make me go into porn. God did not make me with an innate desire to... To, to go into porn or anything like that. He doesn't make people alcoholics. He doesn't make people drug addicts. God makes us perfect in who we are. Sin has affected all of creation, okay? And it affects us down to our very DNA. Now, it's been proven that people are genetically predisposed to becoming addicts because of chemical imbalances in their brain or something that alcohol or heroin may satisfy. 
because most addictive substances actually mimic the molecules that your, name, that your brain produces naturally. Methamphetamine looks remarkably like dopamine when you break it down to a molecular level. It's truly amazing. But isn't it possible that sin could affect us down to our very DNA when it invaded creation with our choice? That I could come out probably a little more predisposed to developing a same-sex attraction? I'd say that that's fair. Because with sin affecting our genetics, people are predisposed to drinking alcohol. People are predisposed to genetic diseases. People are predisposed to developing genetic diseases later in their life. You know, autoimmune disorders attack yourself. If, if, if Satan can plant thoughts in us that hate ourselves, couldn't sin do something similar to our genetics and our body to make it turn inward on itself. I don't believe that God made diseases or syndromes or disorders or anything like that. I don't. And so that's kind of where we stand on that, is that there's, there's no straight-shot answer as to how this comes up in somebody. Okay. Um, but I also don't believe that God said, yeah, I'm going to make... Michael, gay. Yeah, but God, doesn't it say in Scripture that, you know, people aren't supposed to have sex with each other who are the same sex? Yeah, but I'm going to make him this way. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's just like, that's, that's not the way God operates. That goes against his character. So we're going to be very clear on that. Um, and really quick, we got a text message that is a very, very excellent clarifying message because we haven't said it yet and we've been waiting for it is gay sex a sin so we will say definitively yes okay as much as me having sex with somebody outside of a marriage relationship with a woman is sin exact same thing it's literally the exact same thing <laughs> because it's sex outside of marriage. Um, so, nature. Is it, is it natural? Um, I suppose that sex is natural and hatred is natural. So, other, other things are natural. So, to say that gay sex is unnatural... It's to imply that it's supernatural or goes against a regular, um, a regular flow and sin affected our nature. So sin is natural for us. We sin naturally. So that's, that's as that goes. Um, can somebody be taught same-sex attraction. Yeah, you can be. And I've, I've read many articles of people who grew up with same-sex parents who their children were essentially trophies. You know, saying, oh, look at how great our family is because we have a child. And the child is, is really the one who's a victim because they're just put on display. But 
in that, in that place and in that position, they don't have a, a steady father or, or mother figure to, to equally balance out with. And so they lose track of their sexual identity, especially when they're encouraged to move forward in, um, and, and explore whether or not they're same-sex attracted. You know, it's, it can be a very, very confusing spot. Yes. I want to clarify one thing that, because about um, sex outside of marriage. Um, homosexuality isn't acceptable by God, whether in a marriage, like the Supreme Court says it is, or outside of a marriage. God has a moral standard, and that's what we're all called to. <clears throat> so this is where um, people get confused. Well, you know, the... The new thing is, um, well, if I get married now and, and, and the state recognizes it, then I can have sex. Well, show me that in the Bible, and it's not there. So we don't believe in that at all. There's more to that, though, than just making that, that blanket statement, because a lot of people who do believe in it, and they, you probably have some here in your church, need to understand a lot more depth about that as to what God has called. And we're going to go into that next week when we talk about uh, love, sex, and intimacy. So uh, if you, if you were, had that question in your head, um, we, hopefully I clarified that for you. So as Brandon was saying, nature versus, versus nurture. You know, nurturing can be the environment that somebody's grown up in. Where they, you know, were they a street kid? Were they a, a smothered kid? You know, they had a mother that smothered and a father that wasn't there. I mean, any number of things. Um, you know, I told you that my first sexual experience was at seven years old, but before that, my mother even made notes about me saying, you know, he's a gentle little boy, and when he gets mad, he never hits with a closed fist. So there was, you know, I had gentle traits, so I was a gentle kid. But what happened was somebody came along to devour that gentleness and make it theirs and used sex to do that. And that is really the crux of what um, when you get into the, the verb of homosexuality, that's what we're, we're talking about. Anybody who is same-sex attracted, or excuse me, that, that is actually out to act out, if you will, or have sex with the same gender, so that you understand the thinking, what they, don't, what they say you don't understand is that you don't get what the attraction is. And that makes sense. But I'll tell you, so when I have was having sex with another man, it was because he had something that I didn't. He had a personality trait, he had a, uh, a physique, he had something that I longed for. And without it becoming an upfront thinking, because it just turns into automatic, you know, because you're attracted to somebody, right? Opposites attract. That's why God made you opposites, male and female. And then you talk about, you know, you hear all the time people saying, oh, you know, I'm the quiet one and she just rattles on or she's the quiet one and, he, you know, wish he'd go away. Why are you guys together? But it's like that all over the world because opposites attract. Somebody who's quiet wanted that noisy person and thought, my gosh, I just got to have that in my life. And then 50 years later, went, God, I'm so glad I went deaf because I've got that in my life. You know? But Jesus wanted you to be together so you could learn to be quiet and you could learn to talk up. It's a good thing. So trying to find that opposite 
not opposition, but just that opposite in that other male is what we do. And the Bible says, how does Satan go around destroying? He goes around devouring, right? The Bible uses that term. It's a very good term because that's what we do in the gay world is those, the, the folks who are participating in it are devouring each other. Satan's using each one of them to absolutely say, you have to go and have that. And so you want that. And that's why it's a continuous thing. That's why there's uh, such a high suicide rate uh, in, in the gay world. There's so much rejection and there's so much need that eventually it falls apart quickly. So anyway, that's kind of the nature and nurture thing. Can somebody learn to be same-sex attracted? Absolutely. Can somebody be born that way? Yes, they can be born into that. But like Brandon made very clear, God did not put a DNA strand that made you that. Because again, we don't believe that God would create anything expressly to be separated from him. All creation is his, and he loves, and that's it. So how do we have that kind of love for people when we hate it? When you meet somebody, especially men, and go, oh, you know, I know you just looked at me and said that, so I'm going to hit you really hard. You know, I've had that happen to me. I had a man take me, pick me up at the bar, take me out to a field, made sure I was alone. He was much bigger than, than I and in that right moment, did what so many people would think was a good thing. And he hit me, and he broke my jaw, and then he came after me to kill me. And somehow, imagine that, God got me out of that situation, broken jaw, scared to death, but alive. And let me tell you, you better believe I was screaming for Jesus when I was in that trouble. But that's what we do. We want to kill what we don't understand, right? We want it to go away because it's a lot to deal with. But we want you to know how to reach out. So when that gay person tries to, or, or someone's talking about it, you know, and it's just, oh, why do they have to do that? It's like, wait a minute. They do it because they don't understand. They don't know what true love is. They're seeking to find something in these other people that they don't get. And I want to be the one to tell them. I want to be the one to show them. You know, it's amazing how... What I sought in a man was what God had me seek in men for my wholeness. Only God can do things that make absolutely no sense, and you come out better than you ever thought you could be. So he said, put strong men in your life, men that you trust, men that I trust. And so he began to place men, and that's how we met. And it's like, Lord, this is great, because now instead of wanting to devour somebody, I want to be lifted up by them. I want them to have so much oomph coming out of them that it just fills me up and says, man, let's go. Let's go. Let's do this thing. So that's what God will do for you. So anyway, I don't know. I got off track. Get all excited about Jesus. Uh, so I hope that helps you with a little bit of the nature and nurture. We're conceived in sin. We're born in sin. We're saved by Christ. Any number of things can happen to you. But Jesus is there. Uh, and you're not ever born with it, do not make that mistake. Don't let anybody treat you that way. So, what's the world done? The world's got, um, in order to make everybody seem acceptable, anybody who had any identity issue or thought, well, I don't fit in, 
and nobody will bring me in, and my church threw me out, and my parents put me out um, because of, of the, this not identifying the way they want me to see, be seen. And when I talk about church, I'm not trying to insult you, but remember, this is a culture war that's literally on TV is shown as God versus the world, God versus gay. And that struggle is real, but it's not as real as we've made it because God already won. When Jesus died, that war ended. So instead of going out and killing the people who are dead, we're supposed to be go out, going out and uh, healing and bringing to life the people who were dead. You know, are you praying with your gay neighbor and bringing them to life? Or are you going home and going, oh, they moved in and they're all going to show up. I hope they do. Because the same sugar that they borrow is the same sugar you would borrow. And what a great opportunity. So anyway, so we've created multiple gender identities. It got so many of them that they finally just started now calling it gender fluidity. So today I can be an absolute disaster in my mind thinking that I'm a woman, that I'm supposed to be seven feet tall, but because my mother smoked, I'm only this height, and then I don't conform, and my feet aren't right, but I can't grow breasts, so I'm going to have to do something. So I don't conform, and that's the way it goes. It's that crazy. Don't, you don't have to go into that. That's what we do. All you have to know is when someone's that lost and confused, only God can make the change. You can't. What can you do? Bring love and understanding. So as you see these multiple gender identities, and, and now they're really pushing it on TV, um, it becomes more difficult, right? I mean, how many of you really believe in transgendered people? You know, probably very few of you in here, because God didn't make us that way. He didn't make a boy to turn into a girl by a surgical needle, you know, or knife. He made a man to be a man, and that even in the brokenness, there's still the man of God waiting to be seen. So anyway, there's no component of spirituality, no spiritual component, as you say, to the sex and the sexuality. So what they've had to do is you have to get rid of God in order for all of these other things to come to life. That's where you guys come in. You see, where they're trying to put you out and you feel that pressure to be pushed out of the public square as it's put. Well, good. Then go outside the walls and encircle them like Jericho. Hold hands and crumble that city. Don't fight inside to stay where you're not wanted and then say, well, but I'm right, so I get to stay here. Sometimes you've got to be pushed out so that people can kind of have their way because destructive things always destroy. And once it's destroyed, it's nothing but a heap of rubble, right? And then what do we do? All of a sudden, people come in and rebuild, right? That's in the Bible all over the place. Rebuilding the walls to the city. Let them kill themselves and then come in and save. You can do that because there, you have the spirit of the Lord in you. And now in that fully set of brokenness or, or lost in their own mind, you can be the guide. You can be the light. And all you had to do was say, I love you. We had a transgender person who he had gone through all of the change, the surgeries and everything. And he came to Free Indeed because we hold regular gatherings on Tuesdays and Thursdays. And one night he came and is as a woman and we welcomed him and called him her, called him, 
all the, the right things to make her feel good. And then at the end, as we, we always pray over everybody, and we lay hands on people because we don't know that the Holy Spirit guides us, and we put hands on him and her and prayed over, and uh, she just began to weep and weep and cry and just like, are you okay? You know, I thought, oh no, what have you done? She said, nobody has ever touched me since I've looked like this that cared. He was put into pornography because he was a freak. And it was odd because it was pornography that led him to that decision. He was so trapped. But here we come along, Christians, that are supposed to hate him. And all we did was lay our hands on him and say, Lord, love him, love her, touch her life because it's all about you. Within about three months before we last saw her, he came to the meeting, looking like him. Male pattern baldness, oh, ugliest sin. <laughs> Gotta say, not really pretty as a woman either. <laughs> it's like, not faking anybody, but go girl. <laughs> and yes, we have a sense of humor in this, because we have to, it gets a little bit much. But before the end of that last meeting when we saw him, he said, I want to tell you guys something. And his name is Ashley, and Ashley is British, so it could go boy or girl. And he said, I want you to know that my name is Ashley James David, or whatever his last name was, and I'm a man, and I love Jesus. And I said, you know what, Ashley, what's really cool about your body is you only have flesh wounds. You might not have the parts to run around the world and look like a, a regular guy. But you know what? You could have been blown up in the, in the war and come back without body parts. It's a flesh wound. And doesn't the Bible say it's better to enter the kingdom without your whole body than to be without the kingdom? Right? So how beautiful that God could penetrate that kind of heart, that kind of thought process. You know, that's what we do. And that's what you can do by just simply letting people be who they think they are and you be who you know you are and make sure that you know that you're a child of the king and that when he sends you out every day from his throne room, he's not sending you out in royal robes to make a spectacle. He's sending you out in street clothes and sandals and he's saying, go out and tell them that's who you are. That's who Jesus is to them. Somebody who relates. Be my friend. Touch me. Tell me you love me. And I'll follow you anywhere. And he followed us right into the kingdom. <laughs> Praise God, right? We just love that. So anyway, that kind of tells you a little about what's going on with the gender identities and all of these other things that are out there. Um, it's just another false witness that, that, that... And I'll tell you, the reason that they've ginned this up and gotten it really going is because now that you guys have accepted all of the sex of the gay world, of the gay agenda, there's nothing left to fight over. So they're looking for a way to get you guys mad again so that you'll start fighting again. And somebody will be raised up and say, we're the religious right. And then we're going, you're the religious wrong because you just said the word religious. You're not the Jesus of the world. You're the religion of the world. And that's law and that's death. And the Bible says it. If you get into law, that's the ministry of death, and that's not where you're supposed to be. The Bible says, act. In James, he says, act 
as children who are under the law of liberty. That's what he says. Liberty is in Christ, right? Salvation, freedom, grace, love. Overdo grace. Don't overdo rules. Because if you overdo grace and make a mistake, oh, heaven forbid they get something better than you, right? (laughs) I was so graceful, they got more than me. Lord, what's wrong with that? Says yours is coming, honey. It's coming. And it'll be there for you. So, same-sex attraction is, uh, this is what the world will tell you, that same-sex attraction is natural and meaningful, that homosexual activity is good, and it's promoted and required. Uh, In schools now, it's required that you be open to trying it. Um, When I was living in Colorado, I'll never forget, they, you know, and now it's all over the place, but... You know, they have the weeks where it's, uh, you come and have sex with everybody and anybody, and it's all a free-for-all, and it's, you know, here's how to do it, and there's, there's classes on it, and it's just every, it's a nightmare. And I'll never forget one time, the guy, one professor decided that every kid in his class needed to know what it was like to be on meth so that they could relate to people on meth. So he brought meth into the college and encouraged the kids, the young, they're not kids, I mean, you're 22 years old, you're not an idiot, here, smoke meth so that you can understand. And then we're going to, next week we're going to do crack. And the next week we're going to do cocaine. I mean, are you kidding me? But Satan is that clever and people are that stupid. Sorry. We get stupid, right? We want to do our own thing. It's kind of stupid. But then again, we have that balance. We know what Jesus really wants for us. So that's what they promote. And that's what they're t- doing more and more and more to, to create an environment that makes it difficult for you guys to have your moral standard. You never have to worry about God being under attack because man can never move his hand. You don't have to worry about the Supreme Court. I assure you, God did not fall off his throne and go, I've fallen and I can't get up. What have they just done in America? That's not our God. He went, yeah, I knew that. What's your point? What are you going to do? I've got the power. You've got the legs. Let's go. In all of it doesn't matter what it is. And hopefully, one of you sitting next to the other will have that kind of strength when you need something in your life. Maybe you'll come across something in your life, and you go, you know what, I never dealt with this hurt. I never dealt with the fact that I hate that other church. I never dealt with pain. And your neighbor says, you know what, God has grace for you because he's not moved away from you because you can't get over yourself. He's moved towards you. The Bible says he inclines his ear. He's waiting on the edge of his seat to rescue you. And we just sit back and go, no, 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 rather down, rather down. That's good. You know, and when are you going to stop gurgling? Nobody can hear you. So multiple partners is, of course, a big deal. If you don't encourage that, the rest of it doesn't fit. And then, of course, pornography. Um the number one thing that, or one of the number one things I would say that will drive people into doing any and everything. We know a couple of different um, transsexual people uh, that were driven there purely through pornography. No desire to actually be women, but the pornography just got deeper and deeper until the obsession became so strong that they convinced themselves that if they become the woman that they keep seeing that seems to be having all the fun, then women will like them and they'll have more sex with women. Now, that doesn't make any sense, does it? But guess what? We don't have to make sense of it. We just have to know, wow, you're hurt. 
wow, Jesus loves you, and wow, I'm here to prove it. Okay? So, don't, don't be lost in that. Are there any other any questions that have come up that we should answer, Trevor? We need the mic on. There we go. We've been through this. Um, <laughs> yeah, we uh, have one here, uh, not, not necessarily on the subject, but right. is touch like hugs, taps on the arm from the opposite gender usually offensive to gays? No. We love being touched. <laughs> is that, that answer? There you go. You want more than that? I got one more. <laughs> um, how can I support a gay friend who's just lost his or her partner? Uh, would I do that same as I would a straight friend? Sure. They're just people. <laughs> and the person that they lost is somebody that they loved. Remember I told you about um, my lover, Gary, who passed. You know, um, although I didn't have a relationship much with my family, I did know that my, one of my sisters was living in San Diego, and I called on her. Because you see, when I went into the gay lifestyle, I gave up on God completely. I went out there and said, I am not gonna, I'm not gonna try to pretend anything. I'm just going cold and screw it all. And I left and I threw it all away. So I didn't pretend. So when it came time for his death, I called her to come and minister to him because I didn't wanna be that hypocrite. I didn't wanna pretend and she did. And what did she do? She led him to the Lord on his deathbed before I had the last plunger push. Yeah, so that was pretty neat. And what did that do for me? That ministered to me. It reminded me somewhere in my heart that Jesus is real. And even to my dying day, he would love me like that too. So what do you do? I should hope that you go and offer to help and offer to be a friend and offer them food and offer them a place for their family to come in and stay. All those gay people come into town for your neighborhood and be the light of the world that Jesus called you to. Jesus went into sinful places and brought them out. Not the other way around. That's it for now. Okay. So, moving on. Any, did anybody else have a question just to make sure? So we're going to get into pornography. So like we were saying, uh, we see pornography. Yeah, we got, mm, I can't see, so is there... Oh, we got one. There's one. Oh, that, yeah, we'll get to that in just a sec. Those are not us, just by the way. Yeah, I realize that. You're good. <laughs> I guess it's a good time to explain these, huh? Yeah. And then you can talk about pornography. So um, let me go through this packet real quick because it is important. Um, the, the God Loves Gays one, this one we took to Gay Pride, first here in Bend last year, and then over in Portland this year. And this one has drawn more of the gay world of people who want to know Jesus to us than anything else. All we did was hand it to them, and they read, God Loves Gays, We're Proof, and they're, they're done. It's like, okay, we, we want to buy in. How do we find this God that you speak of? You see, you have to understand it, people. Everybody created wants to know Jesus. They just don't know it. They just don't understand what that means. That's why they create religion. That's why they create sexualities. That's why they create a world that's trying to fit in with what they're trying to fit into. 
They just don't know. So everybody wants to know Jesus. Don't ever forget that. So we, that's what we use this one for. This one, well, it's probably the most important piece in the whole thing. It says donation. <laughs> because I can assure you, not only do we stand on a razor's edge like you've read in, off of our website and in your um, brochures, but we live on less than that. So we'll talk about that another, a little bit later, huh? And this is a note. So if you have a pastor or a friend who's out there and the pastors get, um, a lot of them get very fearful of what we do because it's like, oh, no, you're going to talk about that and that's not here. Well, it's, that's not true. It's everywhere. And, and we want people to know that we're here to help them. And so you can tell your friend's pastor he needs to talk to us and get help or she. Um, the Free Indeed brochure, this is the one that we made from the very beginning. It's our heart from the, the day we started. Um, this just tells you thank you for listening. Um, this one right here that has the red markings on it, this is a very important one because if you look on the front page, it says God plus gay or Christian plus gay equals okay. And we're going to talk about this in week four, but I want you to understand that we've marked all over it because it's a lie. Well, mine's not marked up, but yours it should be um, because these are not, this is not true, but this is real. This is from a real church that this is their brochure to everybody who comes so that gay people can feel safe and sound where they're at. The difference between a gay person being safe and sound here and there is that there, they're encouraged to stay in the lifestyle and live openly in that way. Whereas here, you're going to encourage them where they're at in life unto their freedom in Christ. So that's a big deal. And we'll get into that one another time, another week. This statement of faith, this is from a group called, and just let me know, if you read, if I said, hey, I want you to go to the Evangelical Network and get some information on Christianity, who would feel comfortable with that? It's the Evangelical Network. Are you guys evangelical? I don't even know what that means. I assume so, right? You feel safe with it, right? I mean, I did. I thought, oh, Evangelical Network, that's cool. I want to see what they have to say. And then I read it, and I thought, oh, that's like any church. That, that could be Westside. That could be, could be this one, you know? The Holy Spirit's alive, Jesus is Christ, and God's not dead. Until you get to the back, and you get to letter R. And all of a sudden, it unravels. Because I have no idea what responsible sexuality is. <laughs> I know the Bible calls for morality, and a right morality is um, what it is. One man, one woman, married, have sex. Everything else outside of that is considered adulterous in God's eyes. Did you know that? It's adultery against God. Every one of you, every one of the kids that, that, that are going to all of our churches, imagine if the world stopped having sex except for the married people. How wonderful in a moment would this world be? Because it would be bowing to the word of God and worshiping God in the created form it was called to. So, we, anyway, that's just, this is how sly it is, but we'll get into that in week four much more deeply. So, just so you know, these are not us. Well, the donation slip is. And <laughs> Couple more questions. And next week we're going to get into um, this big, colorful one. Go ahead. Good first question. 
Um, one here says, if you are claiming that God loves people who are attracted to the same sex, then why does it say in the Bible that he is against it? He's against the act of homosexuality. If you read anywhere in Paul or Timothy, um, he is against that act. He's also against you um, coveting your neighbor's wife and you having sex with people outside of marriage. Cheating on your taxes. And... Yeah. The, the attraction, again, isn't the sin. It's what you do with it. I mean, I would have been fine if I had not gone to that Christian counselor and told him about my troubles and him saying, I just don't get it because he was a straight guy and saying, well, then you should get divorced and go and live your life because clearly there's nothing we can do. This was in a church that you would go to. So you see, it doesn't matter that God's against it. It's a matter of what's in your heart and what do you submit to God. And his love is greater than what that question is. You see, that question, and I'm not insulting whoever it is, but that question shows the smallness of God in somebody's mind. You've got him in such a tiny little box that he can't love people that are different than you. You see? So let's get out of the box because God's, he says, my thoughts are higher. I am greater. I'm above you. My, you don't even, you, you do this and I'm going like that, but I've got you. That's what that question is. So let's get out of that box and say, I can love because God does love because his love is so incredible. I don't even get it. You see, I'm standing in the room, ladies and gentlemen. I'm here because that God stopped existing for me. And the God of the universe that created me and loved me and said, you will not die. I have purpose and possibilities and a point for you. Said, you will come and I will love you. And what does the Bible say? I will be their God and they will be my people. That's pretty big. One more. Um, was the love for your wife different than your love for Gary? And if so, how? Yes. Because it was. <laughs> no, I'll answer the question. <laughs> the answer is yes. Because, and, and I'll tell you how. Um, when I married Katie... I knew that I wanted to be married and I wanted to have children and it was going to be really fun and it was going to be really cool and I got to have sex. And we did not have sex before we were married. We waited. Oh, was that tough. But we did it. And when we got released from that starting gate, oh, it was crazy. And I loved it. You know, you should go home. If you're married, you, know, you should go home tonight and just go, man, that was a crazy sex talk. Let's go for it. And you should, <laughs> you know, chase each other around. Amen. <laughs> Play a little, not you. They can play I'm slap and, them. You can play slap and tickle. He can't. And it's okay. And that's what I did. And I loved her. And I knew, I, I knew, just like you know, that we had become one. There was a difference in the way we responded to each other than, than having a, her as a, even as a girlfriend. You know, when we had, a, had our children, it was just, it was all meant to be. When I was with Gary... He was in a part where I was trying to be loved in my pain. And I need someone who could understand my pain and actually understand an attraction that nobody else can understand. A straight person doesn't get it. 
you know, you can counsel with Trevor all night and into the next year, and then you ask one question, well, so what is it like to be attracted to a man? And everything you just said is done. Because I have, he's no clue. That's why you have me. So that's the difference. It wasn't um, a, a partnership put together by God. It was a partnership allowed by God so that he could use it for his glory and my blessing. And when Gary died, now I know it was to bless me. It was to bless Gary. It was to bless my children. It was so that I could meet Brandon and I could come and bless you. That's why we were together and that's why he died. It was okay. But no, it wasn't the same. There, were, there was no melding of, you know, we're going to become one flesh and all that because you can't. I mean, it just doesn't work. What does LGBTQ stand for? <laughs> the letters of life in the gay community. Lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender, and queer. Queer means that they haven't decided and they just want to upset you even more and you guys fall for it. and <laughs> They win. I'm a queer. Oh, what are you people? I thought you were a gay. No, I'm not a gay. The gay is over there. I'm the queer. <laughs> it just gets messy all of a sudden. Queers and gays, where's that guy's brochure? Help. <laughs> and when all that comes, you just take a breath and go, Jesus, you're in control. Speak now through me, Holy Spirit, in your name, amen. And boom, those words are going to come out that are beautiful. I love queers. I've never met one, but boy, are you fun. Come on over for Coke. And they'll go the other way until they're ready to know that you really cared. And you'll be the one person that they'll remember wasn't out to devour them for their body, but was out to help them with their heart. That's the difference. Anything else right now? Oh, gosh, we've got five minutes before you have to go get children. I'm not thinking there's a lot of kids based on this audience. <laughs> there, there are Nursery. a few. Are there? <laughs> so we'll let you go in about five minutes if you want. But in the meantime, let's uh, let Brandon talk because I'm getting a little dry. <laughs> Sorry. Pornography. Yeah, five minutes to talk about pornography. Yeah, that's... Hurry. <laughs> pornography bad. Jesus good. Let's go. <laughs> um... Just really quick, any sexual issue that we have is an identity issue. And, and that's the truth, because I'm sure as every Christian here in this room knows, the more that you walk with Christ, the more you find your identity in him, the more things get brought up and the more things get dealt with. Because Christ wants to present us a spotless and blameless bride before him. As if, you, as if you had never even slept with the world. As if you had never even been with the world. And that's, that's just something that's so beautiful to me. Um, but things like pornography, things like the gay lifestyle, things like transgender, things like transvestite don't just happen. They happen because there is a brokenness in us. There, there's something that is... Um, needing to be touched by Jesus. And there's something about him and something about me 
that I don't understand. Um, the number one way that we minister to people, and seriously, this is all that we do, is we tell you who you are to Jesus and who he is to you. That's it. And he makes it into those, into those nooks and those crannies. Um, I, was, I was in porn for a very long time, and it was a hard, struggling, bloody mess to get out of it because its claws are long, its teeth are sharp, and its, its will is fierce and sinister. Um, and I went into it because I truly believed that I was never good enough. The symptom was pornography. The issue was inadequacy. The symptom was pornography. The heart issue was, Jesus, do you really love me? Because I don't love myself. And these women here on the screen, I can at least pretend that they like me. With with anyone who I've ever ministered to who is in a gay lifestyle or experiences same-sex attraction, I tell them one thing. Christ loves you right now. You could go home tonight and sleep with your boyfriend and Jesus will be there. And he'll be looking at you and he'll have a smile on his face because he just loves you so much. And he's saying, I'm right here. I covered this. I'm right here. I, I, met, a, I met a young man at a Bible school. I won't, I won't say his name, but he grew up in a Christian home and um, had an excellent relationship with his parents. Grew up in idyllic Christian conditions, if you will. And I don't know how, but a lot of people didn't know that he was gay. In fact, 90% of the school didn't know. And um, I took one look at it, and I'm like, <laughs> yeah, you like men. Um, and I'm so glad that he did, because it was so amazing to get to know him and just to get to put into absolute practice everything that I had learned through my walk with porn. Because this guy, all that he knew was... I like dudes and I don't know why. I like dudes and I don't know why. It's just within me. I just, I need, I need my boyfriend. I just, I don't, it's, it's overwhelming. It's, it's, it's a part of me and I don't, I don't get it. And I hate myself because of it. I hate that I am this way. I hate this part of me. And grace says, you don't have to hate yourself. Grace says, you don't have to hate the parts of you that you don't understand. You don't have to hate what you feel is dirty because Jesus washed it clean in his blood and is washing it clean. Just know who you are at all times. A beloved, accepted blessed and favored child of the Most High God. I used to believe when I watched porn that Jesus looked away from me. 
You know, I really believed that. I truly, honestly did. And he only looked back at me when I was done and asked his forgiveness. Do you believe that? Do you believe that Jesus looks away from you when you sin? Do you believe that he's disappointed in you? Do you believe that you let him down? Because you don't. If you are washed in the blood of the Lamb, past, present, and future, your heart is forgiven. And this is the identity that we live in. I am forgiven. I am alive. Down in the dredges, when I am too weak to say no to what I know I should, I am still alive. And I teach these men and women to wrestle those thoughts to the ground. Put your foot on its neck and make it obey you. Because it's a liar. It is not who you are. You are not a homosexual. You are not a gay. You are not a queer. You are not a transsexual. You are not a transgender. You are none of that. You are one thing and one thing only. A beloved child of the Most High God. This is our identity. The one thing that I talked about the most at Gay Pride with people was identity. Because it's a place where people who have the same identity gather together. People who want to find their identity in sex. And anybody who needs to go and get kids, please go now. Um, I was told to release you at 7.30 for, for that, but we'll keep going as long as you want to. But I'm talking to these people. I'm tell, I'm, the, I, I remember this transgendered, it was a, a woman who had surgeries to be a man. Stood, stood about this tall. Just adorable. And was walking around without a shirt, had scars from where the surgeries were, and had facial hair from the hormone treatment and all that. I said, hey, bro, how's it going? And, uh, oh, water, lovely. Oh, I have water here. Um, and this person, I handed them our little note, said, God loves gays, we're proof. And they were just interested. And I was like, what do you think about God? Like, and told me, I'm not sure. I was like, can I tell you what he thinks of you? Sure. Loves you a lot. And, you know, he wants you. And I got on to um, how identity really is the biggest issue in our, in our Christian walk. It's the biggest issue that we face in society. Who am I and who cares? Because, you know, a lot of people don't care who you are. But there's one who does. And he's the only one whose opinion matters. Over your own. And I started talking about how... Uh, I was like, yeah, man... It, Identity, it's crazy. You know, we always try and find our identity in the clothes that we wear, in the job that we work. You know, anything in this world. I mean, there's, there's a religion for it. There's a job for it. There's a support group for it. You know, it's, it says you, you just stand up 
in the midst of everyone in the world and say, hi, I'm this. And I was just like, how can we know who we are if we don't know the one who knows who we are? He's like, what do you mean? Well, say Christ is the designer of anything and everything in this universe and, and beyond. It's like, okay. When there's a design and a designer, the design can only find its identity in the designer because of that stamp. You know what Imago Dei, <coughs> Imago Dei means? Image of God. That's God's stamp. It's, to, it's his design stamp. And you are made in his image, and you bear his design. You have his brand. How do you know that a coach handbag is a coach handbag? Because they burn it in. They burn that little stamp. And so how can somebody truly know who they are in their identity unless they know the designer? How can the design know how it works, know how it operates, know who and what it is unless they know the design? And it was just like, the light that the power was turning on, he's just like, oh, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And I was just like, you can't find your identity in yada, yada, blah, 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 or your sexuality or your gender. And he was just like, yeah, that makes so much sense. And I was pointing around at different people like, that guy can't find his identity in that. That guy can't find his identity in that. And whatever that is can't find his identity in whatever it's trying to do. He's like, yeah, it's kind of a... Kind of a messy job. <laughs> and we were just commiserating over the fact that we can know our, our identity and our sexual identity in Christ. We can understand who we are and how we work. We can understand that Jesus isn't ashamed of us. He's not afraid of our quirks and our tics and our, our, our different little things that are super sloppy and messy about us. And that's the identity that we should be walking in every day and that we should encourage other people who don't look like us to walk in. And that goes for people who are in porn. The one thing that kept me going, I called John many, many nights. I'm watching porn right now and I just can't get out of it. And John would say, I am the righteousness of God in Christ. 2 Corinthians 5.21 or 22. He became sin who knew no sin that we might become the righteousness of God. Do you believe that? Do you believe that somebody who is gay out there, who you see on TV in the crowds, has accepted Christ and either doesn't know it or has been so hurt by the fact that they don't understand who they are and they don't understand God and they don't understand why the people of God don't love them, that they're there amongst people who do love them in a way that's killing them. Do you believe that they are the righteousness of God in the gay pride parade, lost and confused? Because I do. And I'm going to treat them like it. And I'm going to tell them and remind them who they are right now. Because you don't have to change the way that you look. You don't have to change who you're attracted to. You don't have to change what kind of underwear that you wear. Jesus loves you right now. And that's all that matters.
Do we have any questions? And I do want to say on top of that, what you're hearing might cause you to question and say, but, but, but they have to change, but they, but they, but they, but they. Get your butt out of there. Leave it with Jesus. <laughs> and everybody's going to be okay. Meet people where they're at is what we're saying. Because we know what's coming, even if they don't understand. All right, here's a question. I know and love people of same-sex attraction and homosexual walks. I can't seem to point them to God without feeling compelled to tell them that it is wrong. How do I deal with this? That's a good one. That's very common. Um, and actually, we have a whole podcast on what not to say. But really short. The short answer is think of somebody's life as a timeline. Okay? And... Um, Line between two points. And your time with this person is here to here. And God in his sovereignty and in his understanding of this person, how they tick, all of it, knows that they are going to be ready to deal and submit their sexuality to God and their lifestyle to God over here. But you and your compulsion feel like you need to do it right here. Because of whatever, it, it, you know, it could be the Holy Spirit, but it could just be your programming. Mm-hmm. And so when you try and make them deal with it here, what do you do? Damage. You damage that person. And that's the plain and simple truth. And so we encourage you to not feel like every time that you're with this person, you're looking for that opportunity to tell them, you know what you're doing is sinful, and you're probably destined for hell, but Jesus loves you. Mm-hmm. Check, check, check. We've, we've shortened the gospel down into a track list and setting of letting it be the power of God unto salvation and the individuality of the story that this person's life is and the story of how Christ is building on their life brick by brick. What if that person right now doesn't need to be told that they're sinful, but just really, really, really needs somebody to repave their back patio? And you happen to be a stonemason. And you have experience in landscaping. And you go work their backyard. And they're just so, they're really impressed by the job that you did. And they decide to invite you back. And you start talking about their significant other and the kind of likes that they like to do. Oh, you like to go to the lake? You guys have jet skis? Dude, I was jet ski champion back in blah, 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 something year. Can I hang out with you? Yeah, that'd be great. Out, Out on the lake, hanging out throwing back a brew if you're into that. And you... Is this the short answer? Yeah, this is the short answer. And you're talking to them. And we're going to get into more next week. And then they say, why do you like us so much? I know that you go to church. And I've just kind of been scared to talk about it. Because I just love you. I don't know. I just, I just love you. You know? That's okay. It's okay to leave it at that. Mm-hmm. 
because those kinds of things, when they really take root, come from relationship and the movement of the Holy Spirit. So that's that. Um, oh, go ahead, John. Yeah, I basically, um, they don't need you to tell them that they're wrong because they wouldn't be talking to you about it if they didn't know that, if they didn't want something special. I didn't need anybody to tell me that I was gay. Thank you, straight person, for letting me know what you think. But it's not moving the conversation. That's what all this means. You don't need to tell them what you think is wrong with them to get them to heaven. Please don't condemn somebody to the cross. Go ahead. Um, it says, my brother loves God and is confident that God loves him. He wants total endorsement as a gay and would like for me to be aligned with him and march in the gay pride with him. What do I do? Well, we did that. <laughs> we didn't march in the parade, but we stood by the parade and waved at all the nice people. But what the question, and we'll get, we'll get into that more a lot next week too, but the question is simply, how far do I love? How big is God? Just because you love the person, your brother, See, you're, he's looking for you to say, I accept everything about everything that you say, do, and want. But the reality is you can let that brother know you have to accept everything about me, what I say, do, and want. And then I'll accept you too. Well, let's work on this together. And then when you hit that impasse, you go, that's the part that we're going to leave to God. So acceptance um, does not mean you have to, just because you love the person doesn't mean that you've accepted everything that they do. So, you know, it's a, you know, marching in the gay parade. I don't know. We'll go march in the gay parade. Why not? Jesus would have. He went, again, into the sinful world, into the rough places, into the dirty places. Let's, let's do this real quick. Um, since yeah, we said sorry. we were going to be dismissed at 730. Oh, let's, yeah. let's, let's do this. If you need sorry. to go or want to go, feel free. And um, we'll probably stick around for about 15 more minutes till about 8. Answer just, some more just questions. Just answer some more questions and talk a little bit more. But if you want to go, feel free to do so. And thank you Thanks for being for coming. here. Yes, thank you all so much for coming. Can we we'll pray real quick? Jesus, week. thank you for everyone who's here. Thank you for your Holy Spirit's presence. And uh, may everybody just go and grow in you. And thank you for who you are. We love you. Amen. Amen. So hopefully you'll come back next week because there's a lot more to talk about. And bring some more questions. This has been great. You guys are great. We love you. So go ahead. Anybody else have questions? That, that's the end of the questions here so far. Okay. So. Any of the questions that were texted in? Anybody have anything in the audience before? Or you can come and talk to us quietly. It's fine. And there's one more quick comment. The same thing about the, um, the gay pride. If your daughter decides that she's gay and wants to be in a relationship and now with the laws wants to get married and asks you to be at the wedding... What are you going to do? We'll come back and talk about it next week. Uh, you have to come back. <laughs> <laughs>